There's a veil of unconsciousness that seems to fall over people, maybe everybody, when we hear about child sexual abuse. Now don't worry, I'm not going to get explicit about that here. There's no need, because if you're watching this channel, you probably know too well what I'm talking about. But I am going to talk about the fact that it's so widespread and so little is ever done about it. Now, a couple of months ago, a tiny little article appeared in my newsfeed. For a while, these were common. We used to get these a lot for years. And this one said a couple months ago, 451 Catholic clergy abused over 2,000 children in Illinois. So the previous number estimated to have been abused in Illinois was, I guess, one-fourth of that. But the news was it was actually much higher. Now, the church isn't the only place where this kind of abuse and secrecy has taken place and cover-ups. If only it were that confined. And there are so many ways you can look at this fact and be horrified and angry. But I was struck by this revelation so many years after the problem has been known, that abuse is prevalent, that there were 2,000 children who had been abused unaccounted for until now. And I can see covering up a few cases here and there. I can imagine how that would happen. But 2,000? That takes massive coordination and agreement between not just clergy, but parents and school staff and church administrators and all the way up and down the hierarchy. And of course, the children. You need all of them to be silent. So maybe a few would tell, but they wouldn't be believed. That certainly happens. That takes a lot of coordination, too, to disbelieve even a few kids, to make sure that it never, you know, gets taken seriously. But still, how is this only coming out now when we've known about the abuses for at least 20 years? Not everyone could have been knowingly cooperating. A lot of people probably thought theirs was an isolated case, and they felt ashamed or incompetent or guilty. Okay, but it was 2,000 kids. How do you get all the kids and the abusers and all the people around those kids to cooperate with hiding a long pattern of abuse by 450 people? There were 451 abusers. That is evil. But there must have been tens of thousands of people who knew and stayed silent. And I don't think they were all evil. Most were probably good people, and I mean, you know, how do you get so many good people to cooperate with evil? Well, it's as if they were under a spell. I think it's because we get used to going along with lies. And it starts with little ones. We get manipulated. We're too little to question it, even when we know it's a lie. And then it keeps going. And it's like trauma in the form of slow corrosion of your spirit your sense of what's real and unreal, of what's true and what's a lie. And I was thinking, when was the first time I entered into a lie? Because I did do that, and I can think of several times in my life when I felt I had to do that. But the first time, I was seven years old. When I was in first grade, I was tricked into going into the bushes on the playground with some second and third grade boys. There were five or, five or six of them, I would say. And I won't go into detail. It's too triggering to hear for a lot of you, and I don't like talking about it. 
But I will just say that when I came out, my clothes were torn, I was trembling, I was terrified, I was bleeding a little bit. And I haven't thought much about this in a long time. In my life, there were so many other traumas and they seemed bigger. So I hadn't thought that much about this one. And it came up because I was talking to a friend who happens to be a crime reporter about the truth about violent crime versus the pressure that many journalists feel to sugarcoat it or intellectualize it or treat it as a political issue. But of course, one person intentionally hurting another is a terrible thing. So that day in first grade, I kicked, I fought, I tore myself away from those boys and I ran and I told my teacher, and I think it scares teachers when this kind of thing happens. My teacher got weird and distant and cold. And, and then after lunch, I got called to the principal's office, which is, I'm sure you remember, was terrifying all by itself. And he had the two boys that I had been able to name to my teacher. He had them lined up there. And he said, are these the boys that did it? And right then, it's as if one of the boys kind of shot my brain through with control. And he looked at me with this hateful face, and I knew exactly what it meant. And it was, don't you f tell anyone. And so I told the principal that no, these were not the boys who hurt me. And this is a shameful memory for me. Not that I lied, but that I came to believe that I lied. He was angry at me you know, the principal, or he seemed like it to my little kid eyes. And he said, well, why did you accuse them? And I said, I didn't know. And he wanted to know, well, who did do it? And I said, I didn't know. And I was so ashamed and I, I just wanted all of it to be over. So I let him think that I lied. I was seven years old and I couldn't deal with the consequences of telling the truth, which totally makes sense to me because I was already hiding a lot about what was going on at home. I lived in a violent home. I lived in a home full of drinking and drugs and I knew instinctively to make sure that no one realized what was going on because I could get taken away from my mom. And that's basically an existential threat to a kid. I knew what I had to do. And if you relate to this, if you have ever had to cover for people when you were a kid or you were an adult, if you had to act like it was no big deal that someone in your life was hurting you or that you forgot details of what it was or uh, someone broke things or embarrassed you in front of your friends or coworkers or just flat out put you in danger, I just want to invite you to notice how that lie is still hanging around with you now. How hard is it now for you to stand up for yourself or to know, has someone just wronged me or am I imagining it? Am I exaggerating? How hard is it to call out evil when you see it? Do you still have that ability or does it feel like an existential threat to speak up about what you see? You know, where you think, I can't say what is happening right in front of me or I'll get kicked out of the house or I'll, get, I'll end up alone or I'll lose my job or I'll get canceled and publicly shamed. I'll lose all my friends. Have you been doing this all your life, dancing around that? And is it making it better or is it making it worse? This state where you can't quite read what's going on anymore. 
For a lot of people, it's gotten massively worse over the last several years. You don't dare say anything. And you know, sometimes it's the right thing to do to pick your battles, right? To go along with everybody else and just drop it. You don't want to hurt people, you know, if you don't really, really know what you're talking about. And so you decide, well, what's happening isn't really happening. And this is how a lot of family holidays feel like to a lot of us. Sometimes you just want to get along with everybody. You want to keep the job. You want to not get your kid kicked out of the carpool that you depend on. Or you just want to give some presents and say, Merry Christmas and go home. It's good to be able to let things go like that sometimes. It is. God knows the siblings and relatives who have to drag out the truth at every, every holiday dinner. They're exhausting. What is the point, you think? But it's more than that, isn't it? I had a moment of clarity about the huge cost of participating in lies, of losing your voice, your confidence, so to speak. They don't even have to silence you anymore because you'll silence yourself. It's like, it's like what you learned to do. And whether they did it or you did it and you don't express yourself or stand up for yourself or stand up for other people who are being bullied or abused, and this goes on a long time, well, give it 20 years and that's kind of who you are. You haven't had those conversations anymore. They're just like gone from the memory banks. They haven't been developed as thoughts or ideas or you haven't been able to process it or make, make sense of the conflicts and the injustices and the experiences that you've been through. It's all shut down. All you may know is a low level sense of depression. That's kind of how it expresses itself when you can't process it. Or it may be very intense depression. But what happens as you heal your old traumas, and such a big part of that is, you know, gently but honestly facing what you're holding in there, these little parts of you that are denied and suppressed, and they'll begin showing themselves to you. And that's when good healing tools and good support are very crucial so that you don't have to shut down again. When you express what you've been holding, you can cry the tears, you can tally the losses, you can clean up the past and open your heart again to be fully alive in this time of your life. Not bitter, not defended, but not lying to yourself. Now it's easier said than done, I know. But you see people at every stage of this healing. The unhealed ones sometimes come to the channel and obviously they want to see videos about healing trauma or they wouldn't be here. But then they crap all over everyone here and, you know, for telling the story and supporting each other. They hate it and they call us a bunch of perpetual victims and go, come on, get over it. And they're doing that suppression. And, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say they never were abused or traumatized and they're just tourists here. <laughs> I don't know. But seriously, there's something psychopathic in the belief that all people suffering from trauma in the past are just imagining that it affected them. That's crazy. Think about the level of damage that it takes to hold that conviction that there's no such thing. But this need to deny that a bad thing is really a bad thing. I kept sensing it, like in Illinois with the 2,000 children and nobody for 70 years of this going on did anything. Like, what is that? That veil of unconsciousness that falls over us collectively as if we were conditioned to do it when we are collectively faced with a terrible, terrible fact of abuse going on, when we're silenced in real ways in present time, or 
we silence ourselves. And we even delude ourselves, which is painful for me to accept. But I went to go see the movie Sound of Freedom last night, and I had heard mixed things about it before I saw it. It's a biopic. It's based on a true story of a man who had worked in law enforcement busting pedophiles, which apparently is a very, very tough and depressing job, full of ugliness, and it's very dangerous. And it's hard for people to dedicate themselves and remain sensitive to the horror that is caused by this industry. Now, it's hard to count. People give different numbers. But somewhere between 400,000 and 2 million kids are drawn into being trafficked each year. Traffic is a euphemism, by the way. It means being enslaved and forced to have sex with adults. That's what trafficking is. Trafficking, it just sounds like you get in cars and go, but it's so much uglier than that. And that was one of the things the movie helped me face and accept. People make a billions of dollars off of this. And according to the movie's um, you know, statistics, it's something that's grown so much over the years, probably in proportion to the prevalence of online porn. So I hadn't really realized how big the industry is, that adults and children, it's not just children, it's adults too, and they are enslaved. More people are, are enslaved now than when slavery was legal in this country. And it was a good movie. It wasn't political at all. And it wasn't explicit. I just wanted to say that in case you're thinking of seeing it and you're like, I just really can't see kids harmed. It's not explicit. It's suggested with shadows and facial expressions that this is going on. It's rated PG. It doesn't exploit the subject matter. It sensitizes it, really. It's a very powerful emotional call to take action and to take this problem very seriously and do something, to wake up, to come out of the unconsciousness. And at the very end, you may have heard about this, the main actor comes onto the screen and makes an appeal to um, you know, donate money so that other people can see the movie for free. It's called Paying It Forward. And, and so and you point your phone at a QR code if you want to do that. Well, this is a very big moment of waking up in our culture. People are really talking about this movie. For some reason, it's, it's, cult, it's controversial and people are like slandering the filmmakers and the actor for things outside their lives that don't have to do with this movie. The movie is really not political. It's really straightforward about rescuing kids from, from sex trafficking. So at least even though it's controversial, you know, it's being talked about and helping us like unsweep this terrible, terrible phenomenon from under the rug where it's been, where, you know, nobody really wants to deal with it. And lots of people are contributing their platforms and their money because they see this opportunity to stand up for those who are enslaved and abused and see if out of the denial and enabling and hiding that's been going on, we can actually stop it. Now, this is the opposite of what's been going on in the church and in my state legislature, where the other day the state assembly failed to pass a bill to make child trafficking a serious felony. Can you believe that? It, they just decided, no, it's not a serious felony. I, if that isn't a serious felony, I don't know what is. I really hope they're going to go back to the table on that one. By the time you see this video, maybe it will have happened. I really hope so. But they only will go back and do that because people like you and me are connected and sentient to the suffering of enslaved adults and children and brave enough to stand up for them and demand it. It needs to be a crime and it takes courage and it takes unity. Now, people introducing politics into this breaks the unity. So please do what you can to set that aside. This is not a political issue. It's a human issue. 
I see out there these cynical reviews on, on publications attacking the filmmakers and the actors and the studio and the storytelling, calling it, you know, I don't know. I don't want to repeat it. It's hard to imagine that anyone would slander people who worked this hard to make a movie that would move a large number of people to take action to end abuse. I mean, for f**k's sake. Search it online. Look at Rolling Stone in particular. It's just shameful. I don't know what's wrong with people. <laughs> and what I hate about myself is I feel scared of them and it makes me not want to post this video. I'll get attacked online. I know it. I, I can see the hate coming and people trying to, you know, say I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you, if you think that there's any excuse for trafficking or trying to raise awareness about that, something's wrong with you. This is what standing up means. We get desensitized from participating in lies over and over again, protecting the bad thing. You know, that like mental control, don't you f tell anybody. Go along with it. Hate those filmmakers. They're idiots. They exaggerate. They have poor aesthetics. Their storytelling is terrible. <laughs> you, you, you shouldn't believe that this is really a problem. And then they say in a little proper tones, of course, trafficking is a problem, but these people have it all wrong and you shouldn't touch their version of it. Did you see what they said on some podcast? They should be shunned. Now go back to sleep. Be silent or we'll say all the same stuff about you. They're doing this about the movie and it matches exactly what happens in an abusive family system, right? Somebody's abusive, you get hurt and they're like, no, you're not. And don't you f tell anyone. So I was seven the first of many times that I was silent. I got silent about what was done to me and I got silent about what I did and how I felt and I got silent about loving who I loved and believing what I believed and I got really good at just going along with it when people attacked or exploited me. And I went along with my family members. I went along with bosses and co-workers and shitty boyfriends and I did it in grad school and groups of friends and I know it sounds like a lot but when you go along with things silently more of this stuff happens to you. It doesn't stop until you stop. And that's hard because the reason you participate in lies is fear. Fear that you'll be fired, abandoned, cast out, hit, accused, left alone. And I have been cast out more than once in my life. I've been cast out by the destructive people and I've been cast out by regular people who found me to be rather destructive. And when that happens to you, you become like them and they're everywhere really. They're so used to controlling the truth that when you finally get the strength to say something, to speak the truth, to be a whistleblower, you're a threat to them. Have you seen how our governments treat whistleblowers? The weapon is always to attack the person who stops going along, not to address the thing that they're telling you that they're exposing. Uh, you attack the person who is saying the truth. They'll use anything that will get other people to disbelieve you and invalidate you and make you into a bad person. And unless your mind is clear and strong, especially if this happened to you when you were small, it can be more than you can handle. And then they win when you silence yourself. Isn't that nice for them? They don't have to feel guilty because you silence yourself, whether it's how you feel about something or what you believe or it's something that happened in front of you, or it happened to you. 
but you came to understand that you must not tell the truth about it. So this is what happens in families where there's abuse and dysfunction. Speaking up is such an act of defiance. It is a big deal. You don't have to do it right now or ever. You don't have to. Telling the truth about what happened or what's happening right now in your life is a choice. And when you're ready, it's very powerful to do that because once you're operating in that cool breeze of truth, it feels good and things can begin to fall into place. You can be supported. You can stay safe, but never again silent. And there's a feeling of release and that sense of never ending chaos can stop. The depression lifts and the confusion clears and a few bad people are going to come after you. Yes but you can see the right way forward and you will not be deterred. You can recognize what's wrong. You know the difference, right and wrong. And your own power enters back into you and you rise up into being who you really are, which is strong and real and true. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, Think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.